All right. What a day for the Robert Scott Bell Show to be on Valentine's Day. Joining us in the first hour, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. My favorite topic in the whole wide world, the terrain. We're going to do it. You guys get ready for that. Hold on. Put on your seatbelts. You want the terrain ride of your life. It's going to be today. Also, Dr. Angela Bennett's going to join us live from Down Under in Australia. And uh, she has been through things you can't even imagine and come through it on the other side. And she's inspiring. And she's inspiring to, well, anybody that listens to our watcher. So uh, enjoy that. We'll also talk lymphedema. We got questions of the day. Uh, there's stuff going on in Florida. And, of course, the terrain destruction that's happening uh, rooted in East Palestine, I think it is, Ohio. More on that. And then Dr. Andy Kaufman. So let's kick this Healing party into gear right about now. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Yeah, Valentine's Day. I think about uh, you know, the the well, the love letter that you want to write to who do you love? How about the planet you're on? How about appreciation for that? <laughs> about not polluting it, not intoxicating it. Now that is uh, separate but connected to the terrain you live in. Interestingly enough, the body, the temple, the gift that provides for you an ability to walk around and talk and, you know, interface with this world that we're on and in at the moment. And so much of what I have learned, not from zero to 24 years of age, but from 24 years of age to now, which is somewhere in the (laughs) fifties, what I had to learn that I didn't learn other than a little bit about the liver in high school. Remember that? Yeah. We learned about biology and what does the liver do detoxify, et cetera. I got to study um, additionally some microbiology at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, um, the Givat Ram campus all those years ago as well, and spent a summer intensely studying the uh, microbiology of the body. But there wasn't a discussion so much about the terrain, the milieu, or the environment until I learned about natural medicine and homeopathy. And then my focal point of healing from that moment forward, thanks to my mentor who came from Belgium to America at the time, was the liver detoxify the liver, address the terrain. And in fact, the form of homeopathy that I learned was rooted in a clinical expansion of original homeopathic thought formed by Dr. Samuel Hahnemann when he moved to Paris later in his life, married a young French noblewoman, and started seeing patients among the aristocracy of France as opposed to the German peasants, the farmers, the strong, stenic. Oh, man, they just, when they got sick, oh, you knew it, but it was acute and temporary. Sudden onset temporary setback. And then we seeing the aristocracy of France and the, the patients were quite different from the German peasant farmers. These were sedentary people. They were eating refined food for the, almost the first time in history, drinking lots of wine, excess proteins to their activity levels and suffering with what we call chronic diseases, diseases of toxicity and deficiency, diseases of a wrong lifestyle. And so that's where I was introduced immediately to the drainage principle of the French approach to homeopathy, clinical approach, that we had always worked to restore integrity to the terrain first in conjunction with addressing all the other things that are telling us, hey, there's something going wrong here. 
but it wasn't about killing things. It was about removing things. And then, yes, providing the body that which it's designed to need and have and use for proper cellular metabolic functions. Why is that so controversial? Why is that so weird and strange? Well, it doesn't make a lot of money to those who poison you for profit. The most dangerous thing you can have in America, you've heard me say it many times, is really good medical insurance because it guarantees that they will poke and prod and test you to find things that don't exist and then give you drugs for diseases you don't have to give you diseases or symptoms that you didn't have before times 10, times 100, and will manage you to death with poison. It's absurd. It's so absurd. I could talk to fourth graders and they go, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Why would we try to poison people back to health? Exactly. But you go to medical school and get a degree and suddenly you've lost all the intelligence you had when you were a child. <laughs> Don't poison people back to health. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, poison, the jabs, pre-mRNA, uh, they were poison and toxic. Post-mRNA jabs, it's not just toxicity, but it's, uh, it's, it's instructions to your DNA to, to produce aberrant and toxic proteins. What the heck is that all about? And we wonder, I wonder why. Kids are getting heart attacks and dropping dead. Well, it's, it's the COVID. Really, not the jab? Whatever that is, whatever's in it, and there are mysteries surrounding that as well. Now, before I go further into the terrain with Dr. Andy Kaufman this hour, and I'm so excited to have him back on, just briefly, I want to mention this. Uh, in Florida, DeSantis, you know, there's always some level of suspicion, or I don't know if it's cynicism, or skepticism, or a combination of both. But when I talk about politicians, other than the ones I know personally like, my friend, the man running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, Jonathan Emord, who has beaten the FDA back world record eight times in the courts, yet found that the FDA flaunts the courts anyway, so what's the point? And he's trying to go in with his constitutional knowledge to push back on the oligarchy, one day maybe eliminate it. He'll have the endorsement of Ron Paul just to give you a perspective of, of where this man stands. But a politician like DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, who, you know, I admire. He's done some amazing things, but I'm thinking there's got to be a catch here somewhere. And perhaps there is. I don't know it. But in regards to his intent to make sure that the things he was able to initiate under executive order to stop discrimination against people who didn't get the jab, he wants to make more permanent in terms of pushing through the legislation that would do that. And there's information on a new Florida bill seeking to expand and make medical freedom protections permanent. Stopping the ability of, of anyone to discriminate against you based on your jab status. Did you get the jab? Did you get the shot? What's your vaccination status? So in summary, these bullet points, and, and you can check it out. It's called uh, HB 305. And I think there's a, a bill in the Senate, Senate Bill 222, which are the, the companion bills. I'm just going to read through these four bullets, and then we're going to go more into the terrain with Dr. Kaufman. The bill sets out to make the following provisions into law, prohibiting employers from refusing employment to or discharging, disciplining, demoting, or otherwise discriminating against an individual solely on the basis of vaccination or immunity status. Another thing it, it, it will do, revising the purposes of the Florida Civil Rights Act of 1992 to include discrimination protection for vaccination or immunity status. Also, it intends to be uh, a pathway to prohibiting the Department of Health from requiring enrollment in the state's immunization registry or otherwise requiring 
persons to submit to immunization tracking. I always hate the word immunization because getting those jabs does not immunize you. It damages your immune system. It does not strengthen it. And finally, it would uh, establish prohibiting businesses and gubernatorial or governmental entities from requiring individuals to provide proof of vaccination or post-infection recovery from any disease to gain access to entry upon or service from such entities. Now, here's where, you know, if, if you think I'm hard on, on Democrats, even though this is not technically a political show, I'm equally hard on the Republicans, like in the various conservative states or red states that don't see the importance of protecting against discrimination against individuals. They're like, well, no, we're all for businesses and we don't want the government telling businesses what they can and can't do. But hello, Republicans, you're okay with discriminating against individuals? In other words, a, a company, because they're a corporation, which is basically granted artificial life by the state, it's a government created entity. You don't want the government prohibiting those companies from discriminating against individuals who refuse to get medically experimented upon. Yeah. I think this is a blind spot for many conservative Republicans, not all, but, but many still in the legislature of the varying States. And, and I hope that this passes in Florida and becomes a trend in the other States that acknowledge that it isn't about the rights of businesses. It's about the rights of individuals because businesses are artificial creations of the state. They have no rights. They are given privileges by that, which creates them. And the government is the creator of these corporations, even though there are people involved in that, that's different. Corporeal status given life, the blood is artificial. Unlike the human blood, which is made artificial by man, pharmaceutical man, toxicologically burdened man that can't see the error of his ways. Medical man, even. Can you believe it? I'm going to bring on a medical doctor on the Robert Scott Bell show today. Yeah, this guy. Oh, next level. Whole other kind of thing. I don't have to say much except to say, welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Andrew Kaufman. <laughs> well, thanks so much. In fact, I was going to say, I don't need to say anything. You see, you almost said it all in the beginning of the show. <laughs> I can't say it all. There's so much more and you're saying it too, my brother. And I love you for it. Uh, I know that it's probably the most controversial thing I'll ever cover here. Uh, that uh, if we say viruses don't cause diseases, like people freak out. Uh, but I, I always try to find a way to, if it's possible to make a bridge and communicate in a way that doesn't immediately cause people to shut down when we talk about the terrain and toxicology and that in a toxic and deficient environment, we could see all kinds of cellular debris spewing out from within that we don't even have to catch. Now that's just a starting point because I know we want to talk about the terrain, the environment out here and what's happening in East Palestine, uh, Ohio, and how it's going to impact the manifestation of all kinds of devastating death events that are happening right now. And it's not caused by a virus, by the way. Well, you know, even the um, the experiments that they do, right, where they say they show these particles and call them viruses, that's a great example of terrain because they're taking, right, a cell culture or something from nature, but putting it in a laboratory with a bunch of chemicals like the antibiotics and you know, and other biologicals from other animals, right? You know, taking from one animal flesh and putting it in another's cell culture. So of course, we're gonna see the damaging effects of a toxic terrain like that, you know, on the cells and the culture. And of course, uh, it's really a horrible what happened in Ohio. And I believe there were a couple of other events uh, that happened in different parts of the country that were even uh, less publicized. But, you know, th this is what, is damaging the environment you know it's not it's not what's in our uh, breath 
when mm -hmm. we breathe out, right? It is these environmental pollutants and uh, toxic chemicals that, you know, are, are often used to make things we don't need, like a bunch of plastic crap, <laughs> Yeah, right? And it's not just in China. Obviously, we're transporting this, uh, you know, it was vinyl chloride, right, which is a substrate to make vinyl. Uh, mm -hmm. the uh, polymer plastic, and it's also used in some uh, chemical reactions for other industrial purposes. And, you know, they it's decided, did, did, is it true that they burned it on purpose? Yeah, apparently, and you can see some uh, imagery Superdon's put up that's being covered right now on TV, but uh, yeah, they, they, they lit it on fire. I, I don't know what their argument will be. It's like, well, if we don't do this, it'll escape into the waterways. But, it, it, you know, do we not have the capacity to stop the flow of a liquid to go? I mean, we do some amazing things. Let's just say it. There's some amazing technologies and other things that can happen. Army Corps and engineers can come in and build a bridge in a day. Uh, and yet they say, well, well, let's burn it. So it doesn't go in the water. It's still going in the water because it's dropping from the air and fish are dying. Plants are dying. You know, it's just like created the acid rain. Yeah. And I ask, where are all the environmentalists that only care about something called global warming, which used to be global cooling. And now it's just climate change rather than global toxicology. I've always said this about Al Gore. If he was really sincere about the environment, he could talk toxic poisons and I, you would find I would not disagree on that point, but that's not where they went. They went on total globalist control of a, a socialistic collectivist uh, perspective that shows me they're disingenuous. They're, they're not concerned about the environment. And if you talk to them about these issues, no, they're all for big pharma creating more vaccines to stop these things called viruses that if they exist in the sense that they are calling it causative agents, they are in, in part or in whole because of the toxicological burden on the cells that spew these things out that they call these pathogens. Well, you know, just like uh, we might uh, refer to the CDC as the Center for Disease Creation, mm -hmm. I think we can also refer to the EPA as the Environmental Permission Agency because it basically, they give permission to any big corporation to spew these toxic uh, pollutants out into the environment. And when we look at real problems, right, with animals uh, dwindling in population or ecosystems being har harmed, we're really talking about the effects of these toxic chemicals. And what, what happened with the spill gives us a, a really a perfect example to look at terrain theory, because if we look at this macrocosm or the larger picture of nature in the environment, it represents the same thing that happens inside our own bodies um, on a much smaller or even microscopic level. So we see that this poison, right, which is created by industry and, and by man through synthetic chemistry, was just spilled into the environment, right? And that's analogous to when um, these environmental mental chemicals get spilled into the environment of our body. And it happens from many sources, right? Including food or, you know, something we don't hear about much is what about off-gassing of furniture and carpeting in buildings and other building, uh, right. you know, decorating and, and uh, construction materials, right? And that it comes into our body. And then what is the response, right? It's instead of, okay, how, what would be the natural way to do this? Like one thing you might think of is using something like a mineral like zeolite or uh, a substance like uh, activated charcoal because it can absorb all of that liquid. Sometimes they even use just plain sand mm -hmm. to absorb the liquid, right? And it soaks up and um, contains it and then it stops it from flowing and leaching. And then, then the material can then be put in containers where it could be taken somewhere to be processed 
right? And neutralized. Mm -hmm. So, but instead they burn it. Now, when you burn vinyl chloride, you actually create many toxic chlorinating compounds like phosgene gas, mm -hmm. things that are related to chemical warfare agents. And this is, has a much worse effect, uh, I think, than just the vinyl chloride seeping into the groundwater or into local streams. So, you know, you could have contained this in a way that nature and those materials I mentioned are from nature and they serve that purpose right in the larger environment. And, you know, if we were, let's say we were able to contain the material, we would take it to some kind of chemical waste treatment facility, right? Where there would be some kind of digesters and traps and neutralizers that would make it much safer that it couldn't, you know, turn into those deadly or explosive gases. And this is what the liver does in our body. Yes. It is the waste processing um, neutralization factory in our body. And so all of the things, like some of them, you know, we generate our own waste products, especially if we have like, you know, a lot of fear-based thinking um, and, uh, or if we overexert ourselves and exercise, right, we create some toxic waste products, but our body can eat pretty easily process well, it, those. It knows, it knows what to do. It's been doing it since there's been life on the planet and exactly. human bodies on the planet. The, the problem is it's in like, the last 200 years, we, man, the arrogance of man, medical man or otherwise, synthesized forms of things that are on the earth and altered them in a way that they never existed before in, in, in recorded history. And then we've asked our liver to deal with that. And the liver goes, what the hell is that? I, you know, I'm like, I know how to bind. I know how to use it. I mean, all the things we know how to do. And suddenly we are overwhelming it. And I say suddenly, but over the course of, you know, from the industrial revolution forward, perhaps more than other times, uh, we have asked it to really rapidly respond. And yet the response that I see happening is not happening within the likes of Dow and Monsanto and, you know, Bayer and all of that, but the innovation that's happening within the natural medicine field, like the homeopaths, as I've learned, working with the body's ability to even adjust and adapt to things that are just so foreign and strange, but we found ways to help maneuver it in a very low-tech manner, but also in the natural supplemental realm. You talk about zeolites, uh, producing zeolites that have the capacity to bind. Uh, I talk about minerals. I talk about homeopathy, herbs. There's things that we can do, just like in the outer world, like we say, to create a barrier and, and uh, let's say, sequester these things. But in life and in our body, for instance, cancer, which is a terrain disease, the body, while it still has the ability, can sequester these toxic poisons, for instance, in a tumor. And then we look at the lymph that swells and we say, let's pull that out because that's the cancer too, rather than understanding it's the drainage canal of the body. So once again, we get allopathic medicine uh, belief systems that are so destructive to life, even as they try to triage and preserve life, they're, they're off by a little bit, but it, the further they go, it's further and further off. And yet they're still considered the experts. And, I, and like I said, I, I, mean, I struggle with that because what we've been through, uh, Dr. Kaufman, with uh, COVID, how, how many of these people in the medical profession were wrong about this? And how many in the homeopathic, naturopathic, herbal have been screaming about these things for decades and are still not invited to the table to talk about this stuff? Well, you know, that's, uh, they don't want to give up uh, their, any of their market share. And of course, they're all wrong. And, yeah. you know, all these folks uh, in the 
natural world, uh, of course, they're aware that all of these acute illnesses and chronic illnesses, right, are from a buildup of these poisons in the body and in combination with a lack of adequate and proper nutrition. And over time, it's going to manifest illness of one form or the other. And, and when the body, you know, they, they interrupt the body's own healing mechanisms as a way to eliminate the symptoms and give the appearance right that they've they've done something good but they they've just delayed or prevented healing and then you end up with a bigger problem down the road and sometimes an insurmountable problem yes. but you know i wanted to kind of give a concrete example so people can understand how these things get in there and they gum up our body in a way that it wasn't designed for so hexane Let's talk about that. Now, this is actually a, a chemical solvent, an organic solvent. It's, it's taken from petroleum, I believe, in nature. And it's very useful for dissolving fatty things and proteins uh, to some degree. And so it's used in the preparation of some of these modern processed foods, like especially, for example, the fake meats like uh, tofu and seitan and tempeh. Uh, many of them use hexane to help extract the protein and fats out of the soybean. Now that leaves trace amounts of hexane in the food. And so if you eat a lot of those particular types of foods, they get in and of course they're not water soluble, the hexane. And it, so it ends up in your liver because your liver, one of the main things it does is it takes non-water soluble uh, chemicals and makes them water soluble so that they can easily leave your body through the kidneys. And unfortunately, we're not equipped to process this in an optimal way. So it sticks around and then it starts to form like, you know, this kind of gummed up infiltration like sludge. And that leads to, you know, the, the liver not being able to do its job properly. And then so when we have more stuff that puts a burden on our liver and, you know, almost all pharmaceuticals do this, they're, you know, they're said to be metabolized by the liver, but they're not really metabolized. They're detoxified by the liver because our body does not consider them food. It considers them poison. And the more and more we do this and start to gum up the liver, it gets backed up and backed up. And then that's when that material has to be stored somewhere in our tissues. And this is one of the big problems we have with, with uh, people and obesity. And when the body can't store it anymore, as you you know said, it, it starts to form tuners, tumors, which is like the last effort of your body to contain these things. Otherwise, they're going to just poison you to death. Well, and an, another thing related to that is that we we see the uh, overgrowth of things that they call pathogens, whether they be bacterial or viral. Which again, that's another controversy. But but let's talk fungal for a moment. In nature, what does the fungal kingdom do? Often it breaks down the decaying yes, vegetation, yes. the dead matter, to recycle it. And when we see cancer and associated with fungal growth in the body, we know that's more closely aligned with an end-stage scenario, not an immediate sudden onset. You don't typically get a sudden fungal infection. It's like, boom, like a bacteria explosion. That's different and distinct, and it's an important thing to kind of relate to people. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, this has been shown in actually animal research and in plant research. And you're actually exactly right about microorganisms. And it's not just in the, the fungus world, but also the bacteria, that they're all nature's recyclers. 
And, you know, with bacteria, actually, there are certain ones that recycle certain different things, like ones that recycle leaves and plants, ones that recycle uh, animals that are dying, like through putrefaction, a uh, dead animal body being reduced. But that puts the essential elements, you know, in the form of uh, minerals and basic compounds like CO2 back into the environment so that new life can then form, right? New plants, new animals can grow. And that's the, the natural um, cycle of life. And it, it's when, you know, and so that same thing happens in our body. When something damages our tissues and they break down from the damage and die, like individual cells die. And, you know, this happens even through the normal course of business, even if we're super healthy, there's always mm -hmm. renewal. But when there's excess destruction and damage, then our body recruits these organisms to come and clean it up. But when there's something interrupting the process of, of renewal and the damage accumulates over time, at some point, the body sends different organisms and that's when the yeast forms come in. And you can see this too in, plant, in the plant kingdom. Nice. Like for example, when they use a uh, you know, pests only attack weak plants because they're doing the same thing. They're trying to recycle that back to the ground. And but when they use uh, chemicals to uh, get rid of those pests and the plants stay alive but still unhealthy, that's when the fungus comes out mm -hmm. of the ground from the mycelial network. It's like nature's backup system mm -hmm. that if if the first plan fails, always the uh, fungus comes in and uh, and takes over to make sure that the you know nature's balance is restored. Yeah, well, this is the law of the terrain. That which uh, grows in a particular terrain grows there because it's designed to grow there. There's a reason for it. It's not an happenstance accident or somebody hates you. This is not how it works, folks. And, and to fight back with deadly poison, I look at that as the last, last, last resort, you know, in terms of an intervention scenario. But by gosh, you better work on that liver and restore its function and remove or help in some way, shape or form to remove the toxic poisons that will end the physical life that you enjoy inhabiting that body. That is a temple that I believe a gift of life that we have been given yet. We do so much to abuse and destroy it. Now it used to be considered, you know, when we talk liver, uh, alcoholic fatty liver disease, for instance, alcoholism, that's what kills your liver. And then over the course of the 20th century toward the latter part, they began, began to realize there are a lot of people that have similar livers and never drank a drop of alcohol in their life. Like what was going on here? And they say non-alcoholic fatty liver disease It's like, could it be just <laughs> general toxicity? You can point to specific toxins, but they're not just one thing. It's uh, millions of things bioaccumulating, overwhelming the body's ability to bind, excrete, you know, whether it's meta to metabolize, as you said, it's not really to metabolize in many cases, but to bind and excrete in some way, usher these things out. And what are the things that can help us to do that? None of those things are profitable for the pharmaceutical church, which has grown to basically dominate and control most Western governments on the planet, including right here in the United States. And so when we see the political parties somewhat distinct distinct right now because of covid on certain levels but for the most part both of those parties have never been and the people in them have never been exposed to this concept of the terrain they've been brought up to believe in the germ theory as if it's gospel and it's really just a cult and uh it's a fear-based way of living and i you know i've talked about the terrain when i learned about antoine Bechamp and claude bernard and started studying i'm like my god i'm not a victim i don't have to walk in fear every day and it's like fear alone can create dis-ease within the body and then manifest what they call infection. 
not because you caught it, but you created it from within, from the energetics that you are, you know, believing in and living. So there's so much that we have uh, lost from maybe we call it primitive cultures. And I'm not to romanticize cultures that have existed thousands of years. Every, every culture has its problem. You know, it's not perfect, but they had a connection to the land and understood the terrain a lot more than the Western world does today. Hey, well, that's absolutely correct. And some of the, in fact, many of the things that I teach about, including in this liver workshop, are based on these ancient uh, wisdom and knowledge of, of the natural world. Because, you know, uh, we as humans went out there into the uh, environment and the jungle, we and we tasted things and we realized actually that most plants are poisonous and we don't eat those and it was vital to our survival to learn that but along the way we found you know some that are foods and we found others that maybe is not food and maybe if you eat a whole lot of it it makes you feel sick but if you get a little bit of it it can actually help you heal mm -hmm. and this is really just adjusting the environment of your body to allow it to do its own healing like you know we all have witnessed that when we cut the skin that even if we do nothing we don't have to put any pharmaceutical cream or even a band-aid sometimes not even wash it just lick it mm -hmm. and we see it heal right before our eyes like the magic of our body and in the end many times we can't even tell that there was ever an injury or damage there in the first place and that is what can happen all over our body even on the inside it's not limited to the skin but when we bring about the right conditions to allow our body to do that that's the key and one of the things to help that is something called milk thistle which is a, a seed from a thistle plant it's a flower many consider it a weed it's thorny but the seed has these properties that it gives the liver the right environment and part of that is uh, by uh, providing a certain nutrient the liver needs to do its job. And it's other things like that that can allow the liver to heal from this assault. And there are a couple of categories of things. And you're right, Robert, there are, you know, we can't even characterize the number of chemicals and how many of them are really have varying degrees of liver toxicity. But there are some that we put in our body a lot and we know for sure that they harm the liver. And you're right, alcohol is definitely one, and especially among younger people, the lifestyle of, you know, drinking a lot uh, definitely adds up accumulative, especially when combined with these others. So yeah. one of the other ones is various processed foods, especially, you know, carb uh, heavy foods. And there's certain ingredients, some of them derived from corn, some of them uh, preservatives, but a variety of commonly used food additives, the worst possibly being the trans fats, mm -hmm. um, which are included in, in some junk food. Uh, that have uh, can cause a lot of damage. Damage, of course, yeah. we have pharmaceuticals, as we alluded to, and the you know the more of those you take on a regular basis, uh, the more cumulative yeah. uh, damage. Right. So those pharmaceuticals are all toxic to the liver. Just a matter of you know how much, how how toxic are they? They're all toxic. You know, we've been talking about as well, and I acknowledge the role of these these drugs. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine the first in the last 30 year three years I'm sorry of, of COVID uh, and I look at the toxicological profile of both of those they're, they're far less than most drugs this is why I think people were helped rather than harmed although if we're looking at parasitic manifestations both of those are considered anaparasitics I said you know what there are substances in nature that can do that just as well uh, and I've been able to successfully help people without resorting to them and again I, I don't knock docs that are d using that or even naturally oriented people because it's less toxic 
But still, moving forward, wouldn't it be great to not have to rely on any of these synthetics? And that's been my role and goal for my kids, who I've been able to raise without vaccines and never once have they had an antibiotic. Now my son, 23, and my daughter, 17 and a half. So we know we can navigate even the dangerous terrain we exist in uh, by cleaning up, and I've raised them organically. And I'm not saying they've never had organic junk food. I'd be lying. No, I acknowledge that. I grew up, I grew up on junk food that wasn't organic. And I said, you know, I want to give these people, these people and my kids, <laughs> who you call them these people, my kids, uh, the experience somewhat of what I had in, in the 20th century. We were not at all uh, given this kind of information. There are a few that retained it. They wiped out the homeopaths. In fact, I went to Emory University in Atlanta and I didn't learn until after a few years after I graduated that they taught homeopathy on the medical school curricula up until 1949 it was one of the last medical school holdouts in America since the Flexner report of 1910 tried to wipe out anything that would compete with patented petrochemicals. So the idea of uh, being able to navigate a toxic world, yes, we have some strength and in, in, in flexibility in terms of ability to withstand certain assaults, but not everything all of the time. And this is what we're seeing that decline. For me, I was the canary in the coal mine of my generation X, that I had all of these chronic diseases that were very rare or more common in old age as a child from zero to 24, that now the young people are all born into chronicity, if not immediately brought there via hep B vaccines or other uh, jabs that the, you know, the physicians that are now waking up and acknowledging and doing good work, pointing this out, are, are warning us against. And you know, even the physicians now that are finally looking back because of the COVID jabs, questioning all of the vaccines prior, finally, because they've realized they were lied to so wickedly and directly about the COVID jabs that they now have to look back, which was my journey early on to go, wow, they lied to me about my health. I wonder what else I'm being lied to about and pretty much everything. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's really um, a, a tough uh, experience to wake up to all of this and realize it's it's completely upside down. And, you know, as you're talking, I I was thinking that not only do all of these uh, kind of poisons that we're exposed to actually mm -hmm. directly cause toxicity, but through our culture and through partly through, you know, medicine and other factors, we actually do things that specifically block all of our natural detox mechanisms, right? Because whenever things come out of the body, that's a chance for our body to purge these poisons and other waste products. Yes. And so let's look at the ways that we do that. So we are a society of chronically constipated people, for one thing, because mm -hmm. of the richness of the diet and the sedentary uh, lifestyle, right? So we're blocked there. What do we do? We put on antiperspirant, which prevents the sweating from the armpits, right? Which is a way, you know, the reason it smells bad is because your body's getting rid of nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we turn that off. We create a culture where rather than participate in sports, we watch sports on TV. So we're blocking our sweating from detoxing us. So it seems like at every turn, not only are we poisoning everybody, but we're blocking our our own natural abilities to purge those poisons and manage it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a situation where, you know, we're so overwhelmed that, that, you know, so many individuals now, a proportion of our adult population, right, are just chronically ill. And it, it seems to be getting worse and worse and getting and happening at younger and younger ages. Yeah. And I, I look back and I say, you know, maybe I got my old age diseases out of the way first, but even those old age diseases aren't necessarily uh, set in stone. They're not even necessarily genetically caused. 
but they're toxicologically uh, brought about as well as the deficiencies we talk about, the, 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 the deficiency syndrome manifesting. And we have evidence, although farther and fewer between, of old people that we call them living into their hundreds and working the fields till a few days before they decide, you know what, I've lived a long life. It's time to go off in my hut and peaceably leave. And that, that was what we call a natural death. And people don't know yes. what a natural death is. It's a, an industry now. No, I, you know, I was just giving a talk in Mexico last week and I was dispelling these exact myths. Like we, our natural lifespan is uh, well over 100 years. And if you look actually at, at the, the last several years, even in the official statistics, you'll see that that, that lifespan is decreasing now, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because of these factors uh, that we have been uh, talking about so far. So if, but if you are in understanding of this and, and take some action, and, and I'll tell you that even, you know, so the, this, these things that we associate with aging, right? Like uh, getting wrinkled and uh, atrophied skin, uh, being weak, uh, having arthritis, losing our memory. I've seen people go through a healing process, right? Like detoxifying their liver and the rest of their body. And it's like they go backwards in age and these things just clear up. And the more they work on it, you know, the more it goes back. I mean, I've even had this experience uh, myself, you know, with my skin and my hair growth and things like that, uh, you know, just from doing these kinds of procedures. So we have lost touch with the fact that we we're supposed to be functional and lively through our entire lifespan. Right. Like we're not built like, uh, you know, machines that get rusty and and dysfunctional and, you know, need replacement parts like we don't need replacement parts. We can um, refashion our own parts back to an earlier state of functioning. And, yeah. you know, this is the kind of thing I'm trying to to teach just like you are, because it's so empowering when you realize that you can achieve this and you can do so. Right. Only by trusting your body and using elements from nature. Yeah. When we're youthful and I say this at any age, we're regenerating faster than we're degenerating because we have the means by which. And I don't mean just uh, chemically, physically, but the energetics, you know, looking at the vital force, looking at innate intelligence, as chiropractors call it. How many uh, vitalistic uh, methods of healing have been denigrated or destroyed in the West? because they're not profitable for an industry that basically took over the world outside of certain areas of maybe Africa or other areas where it's not profitable for them to go into. And even when I went to Africa many years ago in the nineties and met with the doctors there, I was the, probably the only white guy from America that ever came in and said, throw out the medicine of the white man. We've destroyed life. We're doing horrible damage. Go into the bush and save the medicine of your ancestors. It's the only way we'll live. And they're like, what is that message? I've never heard that. <laughs> and, and I think ultimately it was a little off-putting, but at the same time appreciating, you know, what we have in a colonialism type way to look like, well, we're arrogant Western men. We know more, more. we know better than nature rather than the wisdom that comes from observing nature. And if anything, trying to mimic and do it like nature does. And yet that doesn't lend itself to a, an ego-driven world domination or nature domination. It, it's a spirit of cooperation, not artificially from centralized command center, but from the, you know, the natural inclination that we would have in a community to get along with one another because, well, it's a lot better than being in conflict all the time. 
and you just kind of make up, you know, yeah, no, let's, let's find a way to get along. Yeah. We disagree on this, but who cares? Let's have a cup of coffee, whatever it is we do. And I think that's, uh, you know, been lost in a centralized top down egocentric, uh, you know, developed Western world. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, people in communities and, you know, this is uh, something that really had to be changed to the modern world for it to be the way it, it has become, because people can, you know, rely on each other and they have reason to. So you're right. They may have disputes and they may want to get rid of the other guy, but they may also want to marry the other guy's sister. <laughs> right. And uh, and if they get rid of him, they realize, right, that they're going to be then ostracized in the community and they depend on it. And so that is a great uh, motivator. And, and it's our natural tendency to get along and to cooperate and to collaborate. Right. All of, uh, you know, the great um, things that that humans have built have required more than one person to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone had the original idea or inspiration, but right then the community had to come. And when they started moving people into the cities because it was the only place you could uh, work or and separate the extended family first right from each other, then to take people out of real communities. Right. Because if you live in some place like New York City, like you're surrounded by a lot of people, right? But it's too many people to, to make a community. You can't, there's only so many people you can actually know their name, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's somewhere around 150 that you can uh, have a, you know, an ongoing relationship with. And we all kind of have to choose that. And, but these things of separation have uh, made all of this uh, artificial constructs, right? And it leaves us kind of alone and vulnerable. And then, mm -hmm that's an opportunity for this centralized authority to come in and capture your full attention. And then just, you know, you become dependent on that, mm -hmm. right? And you become infantilized. And this is kind of where we're at now. It's like people don't have the knowledge of how they can improve their own health yeah. anymore. And they don't, cause they don't, they can't go to their grandmother to, you know, learn how to birth a baby and uh, you know, what, what you, you know, that to tell you when, if you feel nauseated, instead of trying to suppress it, you should put your fingers down your throat and get it out. Right. This kind of thing, we've lost that wisdom and tradition. Mm -hmm. And so we just go to the system and whatever they say, you know, we trust them. Uh, and they, they have that, uh, air of authority because they're the only official body, right? The government requires you to buy insurance just for that system. Yeah. And, and it's the most dangerous thing you can have. That's right. And so this is, you know, it's like how we've, we've really been led astray. It's like, we haven't just lost our way. It's like, we've been purposely led yeah. to this conclusion because it's a monopoly and it's extremely profitable for the people who are privileged enough to, you know, get the license and the degree to partake mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, you, you you can't do this by accident. This this is there's intent and intentional uh, uh you know corralling if you will of consciousness. And I got to ask you know I haven't been down to the anarcho polco thing. I, hopefully one day I can. Um, but your impression, not just of that, but are we making an inroad, making a dent? Because I learned about this first when I was 24 years of age. Transformed my life. You know, went organic and you know completely wor worldview was turned upside down, inside out for the better. But many years felt like the lone voice in the wilderness speaking out about this, even though I know I wasn't alone, but we're little isolated pockets of, of this awareness trying to communicate, teach, lecture. Then eventually I got into radio in 1999 and continued ever since. But still, it's one of the most difficult things to land 
even though it makes sense when people hear it, they go, oh, there's something that resonates about it, but I got to resist because that means I'm going to be ostracized by the rest of the community I think is, you know, all for me when they're really not, they're disintegrated, if you will, from, uh, you know, their own consciousness, much less uh, the community that they can't communicate with because they've been taught like I was taught that if you have a symptom, your cells are crying out and telling you something that you should just give a little bit of that toxic poison. They call a drug from a prescription pad or a drugstore and shut that voice down. And I'm thinking, how are we ever going to learn to communicate with one another when we don't even listen to our own cells? You know, so here's my question as I let it up far too verbosely <laughs> to get a sense of where you are in terms of your outreach and communication. Is it landing? What are you feeling? What's the feedback you're getting? Yeah, well, you know, it it is like, as you mentioned, right? It's like you, nobody can just make an all of a sudden complete transition because we have this fear aspect, right? That's been put into us. And if we start to get sick, then we think, oh my gosh, am I going to die? I don't know what to do, right? I need help. I need someone to give me reassurance. And so all too often we might, you know, run out and, and go back to that default system, even though if we know on an intellectual level that it mostly likely what they're going to do is going to create more harm or prevent healing or, or not really get us to where we want to be. So what has, what I saw and what I see out, you know, in the community and in Mexico was, a realization, um, you know, an inner knowledge that the system that we once trusted, you know, with these white coated priests uh, is no longer trustworthy. And in fact, they're doing a lot of harm and they're dangerous and they're coercive and we want to stay away as much as possible. And this has led to a serious thirst for knowledge and curiosity. So, you know, because this conference wasn't just about health, uh, it was about, you know, a lot of freedom related um, subjects, right, including, you know, financing and homesteading um, and other things. But what I found is that a lot of people came up and they just they wanted they, they just wanted to ask me questions, you know, for like hours and hours, really, because that thirst that they want to know, you know, how do I handle this situation? What what's the explanation for this? You know, how could I have been duped by the establishment? And so this is a, an exciting time because there's so much opportunity to inform and educate and mm -hmm. to learn about what you know, what's the knowledge from the past? Yeah. that we can relearn and, and benefit from. And then how can we integrate this with new knowledge and technology that we have that we can even make it you know, more powerful to allow our bodies to, to do amazing yeah. healing? Yeah, I, you know what? I want to party with you, my friend. I mean, <laughs> the thing, when we're out here doing this for so long and, and you actually find others that are resonating with it, it's just exciting. Heart opening, uplifting, the smiles get bigger. The celebration happens in the midst of a lot of things that we could look around and go, hmm, I don't like what's happening here. I acknowledge that. We talk about it, but not from a standpoint of victimization or fear, but to recognize, you know, we've gone awry and here's the course correction. Here's some things we can do. It's not necessarily new. As you point out, as you look back at the wisdom of our ancestry and ancients in healing modalities and other things, but to come together and see that more people are coming to that same conclusion. I just, like you said, where are you going to be? I want to be there too. Let's go. Well, you know, one of the most powerful things that people hear about that even if they're skeptical or even if they're, you know, not really awake in general, they mm -hmm. still want to come and try something is when they see someone they know have results. So I'm going to give a, a little bit of a, 
uh, a giveaway uh, about the liver workshop, something I'm going to talk okay. about, because there are three common conditions and they kind of make make a, a triad that people suffer from. Right. And they are dependent on pharmaceuticals to manage the symptoms. But these things are actually related to the liver. And I'm talking about here allergies, asthma and eczema. Right. They call atopy the three of them. And it includes food allergies, right? Which is like a, a plague on our nation's children can't you know, my even taste some peanut butter, right? <laughs> so uh, what's going on here is that these are all, you know, people are allergic to things that are in nature, right? They're plants and pollens and foods even. And the reason this comes about is because, you know, these uh, parts of the plant are not the food part. And they kind of can get into our bodies through eating and then also like breathing in and, and our nose and our respiratory tract. And they're a little bit, you know, of irritants maybe. And mm -hmm. so our body needs to process them. And the liver is involved in processing those uh, things. And when the liver is compromised, they end up staying in the circulation too long. And that's when they elicit our detox response. So these different symptoms that we have of eczema, the skin rash, right? That is expressing this through our skin and the skin has duplicates some of the liver enzymes. So this is a common pattern. Skin conditions often signify a liver problem or we're getting it out of our respiratory tract, right? Either by coughing and sneezing or mm -hmm. if it's deep down in the lungs through wheezing, right? And so basically if we can purify our liver we can first see a reduction in those allergy symptoms, asthma and eczema, and then actually completely reverse it. So mm -hmm. I personally learned this because I had these chronic allergies to a bunch of different fruits. And for the first time in like 25 years after I did liver cleansing, I could mm -hmm. again eat like pears yeah. and peaches yeah. and nectarines. And those are some tasty fruits. So was, it was uh, like it was like a miracle for me, really. Incredible journey that I had. You, you just painted it beautifully. Uh, my journey to health and getting rid of, I was the poster boy for just about every allergy known to man, skin <laughs> issues, respiratory issues, digestive issues, skeletal issues, inflammation that was systemic as a young boy all the way up to young adulthood. And by focusing on my liver first and cleaning up what came into the body, allergy by allergy by allergy went away, away, away. Now I don't have allergies. Like, what is a second? I was, you know, I was getting shots, allergy shots. Me too. Every, every week, I the worst of it, I got nine in each arm once a week until they started consolidating. And then I was getting <laughs> two, two in each arm every couple of weeks. I was so happy. And yet none of that addressed the underlying cause until I, you know, broke the cycle uh, by changing my terrain, by <laughs> cleaning up what was going into me. Ima imagine that. So we have this Love Your Liver uh, event and it's happening, I believe now it's the terrain terrainthefilm.com. We have links. I hope that you'll uh, click the links at robertscottbell.com and Superdon will send out an email uh, with this information. You have access to watch this video and uh, it's an introduction to love your liver. And uh, Superdon, are we going to play a clip here? I, I didn't talk to you about this or not, or is, we'll just let people find it and watch it on their own time. That's fine too. Just let me know. And uh, this is an amazing uh, journey and it can accelerate that journey back to, I would say, physiological sanity for sure, but I think it impacts everybody, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual, economic, everything, political. I talk about healing on all of those levels and people say hey, political healing, what's that? I'm like, well, listen, when we're able to communicate with ourselves, that's the first step of being able to communicate with one another, even when we disagree.
we could find out by asking questions. What is it and why is it that you feel what you feel or believe what you believe? And we're better for all of that. Um, is there anything else you could say about why people should tune in and watch this and take, take part in this terrain workshop? Yeah, well, you know, uh, so there is political liver toxicity, by the way. That's when mm -hmm. politics makes you so sick that you have to drives you to drink. But yeah, no, you know, the the liver, I found out, you know, I didn't at first, I didn't really realize how important the liver was to proper healing. But then I noticed that some people had issues like they had bad cleansing reactions, mm -hmm. or they just didn't get the kind of results that they wanted. And after, you know, months of research and experience and trial and error, I figured out that it their liver was not able to handle, you know, all the toxins that the body was trying to get rid of during the healing process. Mm -hmm. And so now, uh, you know, I'm very careful to like help people identify when they have subtle issues that indicate their liver is gummed up, you know, things like dark circles under the eyes, um, a lot of fatigue, uh, feeling bloated after eating, varicose veins, all of those kind of subtle things. Uh, and of course, allergies, as I mentioned, are indications that if you, you know, try to do healing, that your liver has to be addressed in some way. Mm -hmm. So I developed this curriculum to, you know, teach you how to recognize that, how to know what the culprits are, and then what can you do, you know, nutrition-wise, uh, hydration, elimination, and special, you know, liver cleansing procedures to rehabilitate. And then how do you let your liver completely heal and rebuild so that it can, you know, be a super powerhouse of detox. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all, there's all protocols and instructions with that, you know, so you don't have to take notes or anything, uh, or remember, um, mm -hmm. that you could take away, but I'm going to go through that whole thing. And then, you know, step-by-step, step, like very practical and answer people's questions to make sure they, you know, completely understand how you can go about and do this. And, you know, for very little money, the supplies are going to cost you less than a hundred dollars. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that you, you don't have to take a vacation to work on your liver. You can mm -hmm. do it part-time as a recreational pursuit. <laughs> hey. So, so, you know, it's not, not like if you're doing a month long fast, for example, you know, that requires mm -hmm. a complete sure. devotion. So, so it's really going to give you the practical information yes. of how you can tackle this problem and then, you know, get some major relief and major healing. Yeah. I'm always about the pragmatic. It's overwhelming for people. I, I know I've helped people uh, through it and I've gone through it. Uh, yet even one step that you do, one little thing that can pay you back a thousandfold benefit, and then you'll find it worked and you're going to go further and further. And that's why I live the way I do. And I love my liver and I, I want you to love your liver as does Dr. Kaufman. Love your liver, a terrain workshop happening on Saturday, the 25th of February, noon Eastern time. And we have the link for you to participate. And I would encourage you to click that link and sign up. Uh, Super Don will send out an email blast if you're part of our email uh, family, just, uh, you know, come on over to robertscottbell.com and sign up there or text RSB to 22828. So if you have a cell phone or phone that texts, uh, just go 22828 and send my initials RSB and you'll be prompted to get uh, that email connection. And then we'll get you plugged into that and all the other things that rebuild and repair the terrain and facilitate the elimination of the, the thinking that has been a disaster. And we're all programmed and have been uh, and, you know, varying levels of the program probably still exists in me. 
That's why connecting with people like Dr. Andy Kaufman and, and sharing ideas and talking and celebrating and even, you know, getting into arguments. Oh my gosh, that's not so bad. <laughs> okay. And you, you, know, you can still, you go, wait a second. And, and this is part of the process. Of course, that's also the scientific uh, endeavor to really find out what makes us tick, what makes the world work, what doesn't. And uh, for me, it's an exciting adventure every day to do this. And I'm only sorry you're not on this show every day. Well, I can I can come on more often. And, you know, it's, it's a good point because a healthy debate with an open mind like that leads to learning and advancement of knowledge. Yes. Right. And I always welcome that. You know, I want, of course, people to come in and be informed to have the discussion. But I, I want, you know, I have to be challenged because, yeah. you know, if you if I look back 10 years where was I, right? I was prescribing antidepressants. I was vaccinating my children and, mm. you know, all to my own detriment because I, and you know, was ignorant, frankly. But then when I was confronted with new information, I, I vetted it very carefully. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but you didn't have cognitive dissonance. Well, you? yeah, of course. Well, I mean, of course I experienced that because... Mm. Once I got to a certain point, I realized, oh my gosh, I, there are certain things as a doctor I, I can't really do on my own conscience anymore, mm -hmm. right? And, and I mean, I reached a point where I, I could never start someone on a psychiatric medicine. I could only take them off, yeah. you know, because I, I just, I, I couldn't poison yeah. someone once I knew that's what it was. And Andy, I, I think, you know, trying to remember that I didn't know this stuff my whole life either. It provides a way that we can be compassionate for those that are not here yet. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are angry and, and I understand the anger. Look, I was angry too about the thing you lied to me. Right. And you, at the same time, it doesn't serve us to maintain that state of anger. And it's certainly not going to help people to come on over to see things differently where they're empowered rather than victimized. Yet, how are we challenged? Because we're taught and told, oh, no, no, you've got to hate. You've got to cancel these people. You know, they're canceling us if they can get away with it. I don't want to do the same that they're doing to us. But I recognize we, we also don't have to uh, placate those that are, are, are injuring us or people either. We don't have to prop them up. No, no, that's right. And, and, and it is the best thing. I mean, not to stay in conflict and to uh, hold on to grudges and anger. I mean, you know, forgive. Yeah. And then just, you know make that system obsolete, walk away from it, right? Don't pay it any attention because the more attention you pay it, then the more it legitimizes it, the more it grows. Like, you know, just say, oh, you know, I forgive you for capturing me and I forgive myself for making the mistakes and now I'm going to move on to something better. And, yeah. and that will just wither away then without any further, uh, you know, hurrah. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Andy Kaufman, I just don't want to go from here, but I've got more to do. And I've got a guest all the way from Australia today. And she got up extra early, so I can't, I wouldn't want to do that to her because she's wonderful and lovely as well. What she's been through, talk about a terrain overcoming it. Uh, we're going to do that. So everybody check out the Love Your Liver Terrain Workshop by Dr. Andrew Kaufman happening the 25th of February. I'd love for y'all to participate. You'll be better off for it, I believe, even if it'll challenge things. And that's okay. Again, being challenged is a good thing. It's helped me to learn the things that I know, and there's still more to learn. So if you'll join him for the live workshop, I think you'll be extraordinarily benefited. And uh, maybe you can help others the way I love to help all y'all and be helped by you too, because many of you have. So Dr. Kaufman, thanks for being here, my brother. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And uh, it was a real treat. 
Yeah, I hope to see you again soon. Not so long next time. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick top of the hour break, a little education happening, and remind you that the power to heal is yours. I love getting to do this stuff. I do. And maybe you can tell. Uh, when we talk about the terrain like I did with uh, Dr. Andy Kaufman last hour, you know, that's the wheelhouse for me. And, and you know, I could do 24-7 on terrain and you guys might get bored out of your minds. I don't know. So it's a mix. It, we hit all aspects of the terrain here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And I hope you enjoy it. But please, I ask you one thing. Share the show. We do not have, you know, pharmaceutical level PR, obviously. And there are a lot of people that don't want this message to get out because it's empowering, not disempowering, no longer victim consciousness people. So you're not relying on drugs and doctors the way you might have been in the past, the way I grew up. And that threatens a certain power structure on the planet. We recognize that. We acknowledge that. And in order to break that cycle, it's not about waiting for someone else to do it. It's about you doing it, me doing it, Super Don doing it. And so I am so grateful that you'll join us however much of the week you can, but even when you're not here, just share the show. Hey, have you heard this? It, it's uh, if it's helped you in any way, shape or form, please send that message out to the rest of the planet on the people that you know, on planet earth. Uh, we have a, a, a quick hit on this article and then we've got uh, Angie B joining us from Australia in a moment. And she's an inspiration. If there ever was one talk about someone who's been through a terrain that is horribly toxic and dangerous and overcome it. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Dr. Angie, uh, the way she coaches and transforms people, helps people to transform their lives for the better. That's also exciting when it comes to the terrain. Uh, so th the articles that we have, one is um, uh, by Dr. Margaret Aranda, and it's uh, an updated list of medical directives for hospitalization. You know, everybody knows by now the name remdesivir, but not everybody knows that it's also called Vecluri. V-E-K-L-U-R-Y, the trade name for remdesivir. And it's the same thing. And they often confuse you and they say, okay, I, I know you don't want remdesivir, but let's give you this. And you're like, oh, okay, because you don't know. So if you'll read this article, it's a substack for uh, Dr. Aranda, you'll understand some of the things that you can do that, that can be critical to save your life. Otherwise, they're going to take you out if they can. In Canada, of course, they're looking. You got, oh my gosh, you got a stubbed uh, toe? Uh, could we offer you euthanasia? I mean, I know it's a slight exaggeration, but it's ridiculous what's going on here. Look at the medical directives, 18 different ones that you need to, you know, if you're going into a hospital, we, we hope and pray that you never have to use a hospital, but it's become such a disaster, the killing fields that these groups are. And so uh, I would have you take that link and share it with everybody if they have to go to the hospital to be prepared to go through that. Uh, upcoming events this very weekend is a busy travel weekend. Heading to L.A. this weekend for the Glendale event with my good friend Jonathan Emord. If you go to emord4va.com, emord4va.com, you'll see Upcoming Events tab. And there's a, a big event for Jonathan Emord in his Senate run for Virginia. And he's going to places all over the country where people love America, love liberty, love freedom, and don't want mandates and prohibitions from government. They want the freedom for bodily autonomy. And Jonathan Emord's all there. And so we're going to have an event Saturday, the 18th in Glendale, California, outside of L.A., near Hollywood area, I guess, Burbank. Uh, 
uh, this Saturday. I'd hope to see you there. Uh, the March 6th will be in uh, Phoenix slash Scottsdale, Arizona for another event. And that's also going to be hosted, at least in part, by my good friend, paleocardiologist, Dr. Jack Wolfson. Uh, in addition, this weekend is the Health Freedom Expo. The virtual expo is now. It's just about starting and launching. I'll be moderating a couple of panels, one on cannabis as, med as medicine on Saturday, and uh, we'll introduce you to all the Trinity instructors on Sunday, in addition to all the other absolutely fantastic presentations and panel discussions that you'll have three months to watch. Go to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. There's an upcoming events tab where you can see it at robertscottbell.com. And then we'll be heading right after that to Atlanta area, Buford, Georgia, Lake Lanier Islands, Next Steps Conference, 22nd through 25th, next-steps.info. Tickets still available. Use the code RSB10 to get 10% off. It will be so worth your while. It's going to be transformative, transformative, setting up a parallel society in various different tracks, including natural remedies, natural medicine, where I'll be presenting, I'll be speaking, I'll be interviewing, and I'll be celebrating my birthday with you if you join us uh, at that event. Also, the 21st, right before that, is for the Nurse Freedom Network. There's the Love Your Liver event, Super Don is showing, and you can click on that, as well as a Toxic Mold online event. We've got the big healing retreat with our friends from Nutritional Frontiers, Jamie Dorley and the gang, and I hope that we have Tracy Straup and uh, uh, Judy Mikovits and Joe Messino and all coming down for that at Clearwater Beach, Florida, the 31st of March, 1st and 2nd of April. Then we have a big event in Utah, uh, Be Healthy Utah in April. Check that out. And Further down, if you want to make a summer plan for the RSB Family Union, July 14th, 15th, and 16th, uh, that's coming up uh, in Missouri. You can check that out. And uh, September, is that 14th through 17th, I believe, the Las Vegas Biomed Expo that I'll be speaking at, moderating panels, and maybe you want to attend, maybe you want to speak at it. Let me know. I'd love to see you in Vegas. I know it'll be hot, but it'll be cool in the hotel. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. And there's more to add to it because we'll be back in Nashville at the end of April with uh, Drs. Terry and Stu Warner. Uh, as soon as we get that uh, banner, we'll put that up for you. Upcoming events are great. Please be at one or all of them, and we'll get together on that. Uh, real quick, let's do a couple of questions of the day, and we'll bring in Angie B to, to the discussion and be inspired even further. If you look in uh, the show notes each day, Super Don will add questions of the day to them. And uh, today we go to Lori. Uh, we have a few Lori's out in the audience. Um, this is someone who's been with us for a while but has been away for a while and has now come back. I don't know what happened, but hello, RSBN Don, she says. I'm thinking of ordering the Cardio Miracle through your site. My question is, would you continue to take the supplements you normally take? I take all of NAD's, not a doc, suggestions along with some others. I truly thank you, and I'm grateful for this show, Lori. So that's a great question. Now, for me, it's trying to simplify your life and regimen if possible. Many people, unfortunately, are taking a lot of synthetic substances that are not real food. Because Lori is on the Not-A-Doc protocol like I am, I still take the things that I take that I have taken for years. What I found is that the Cardio Miracle took me to another level in terms of vascular health, oxygen uh, delivery, all of the things related to the blood, which is almost everything because the, the microvasculature down to the end of the, uh, the capillary beds all the way up through the venous system and back to the heart and around uh, are so, well, I'll just say it, tatered by life, by so many things, including lack of hydration. So I use my echo water as my hydrogen water base and I add my cardio miracle in every day. And I still, I take up in the morning, I wake up and I take my uh, mega food magnesium, which I get from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com. Use the code RSB five there. I still take extra selenium, the innate selenium. I do the uh, food research chromium vanadium combination, which is called glucose sugar balance. 
and various other things like the silicon and uh, the missing link. We could get all of that from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. But some people are so overwhelmed. They're like, oh, give me one thing. Well, start Cardio Miracle then. That powder added to water one or two or three times a day, depending on your needs. And Super Don, there's a, a Valentine's Day special that I want to let you know about, right? Uh, something's going on for Valentine's Day. Cardio Miracle's doing. I don't even yeah, think it's, it's in the show notes. If, yeah. if you scroll down, let me show you real quick here. I don't if you scroll. Think it's through us technically, but I want you to get the best deal no matter what. Yeah, so, scroll so. down, scroll down, scroll down. So you've got a uh, special that they're doing. This is goes, I think it goes through the 28th, it looks like. Okay. So you've got a little bit of time there, but they're doing uh, two of the 90 serve canisters. You get a third free plus a uh, 15 sleeve travel pack for normally be almost $500. Nice. And they're giving you a, a deal there for 297 All right. Well, if you reach out to them, just let them know Robert Scott Bell Show sent you. Because I don't even think that's through us technically, but I want you to know about it because I care that you get the yep. best deal possible. Absolutely. And, uh, we're doing the Cardio Miracle every day. In fact, I did the chow, the challenge of the week, and I'm in, I think I'm in third place today. A couple of ladies have whooped me. Uh, again, I'm having to live with that and deal with it. I just, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, but it was a good one. All right. So one more question today. This one's from Marilyn. Hey, guys. Robert, you announced that Sudden Death Utah, the movie. No, that's not the name of the movie. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's Utah Safe and Effective, question mark. And it's going to be at a movie theater at the, a place called Jordan Commons. And she's not able to find the link to buy tickets. Do you have a link? Well, right there in the show notes, Super Don added it. It's through Ticket Taylor. There's an event, and I'm going to click on it. And Super Don, if you can click on it, we can see what, it, what comes up. It looks like, yes, it takes you to TicketTaylor.com, the Health Independence Alliance, an apolitical documentary called Utah Safe and Effective. And I am uh, narrating it, and I'm also the interviewer for a lot of these in injury victims, if you will, from the COVID jab, and including one of my dear friends who's a homeopath and a naturopath. I get to interview him as well with some hopeful messages of, of healing. And it's quite an extraordinary documentary. I would encourage you to go if you can. Uh, if not, if you're not in Utah for that event, and eventually it'll be made available but it's the Megaplex Theaters. It, it uh, looks like it's on the 23rd of February. So you want to celebrate my birthday? Go to that movie. Uh, otherwise, I'll be in Atlanta uh, at that time as well. So I, I won't be able to attend, but please, please, please support that and all the documentary films that are coming out to not only raise awareness, but make corrections. Serious, serious course corrections. And one more course correction in, in regards to the Palestine, uh, Ohio event. It's You've been hearing people say it's a Chernobyl-level event. What have I been saying in terms of a Chernobyl-level antioxidant? Folium PX. This is the time. This is what it's made for. F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X.com. Folium PX. You want to get on that three-pronged approach, especially if you're in that area, right away. And this thing's going to extend through probably the Mississippi Valley as the Ohio River or whatever that river is is going to get dumped into the Mississippi. I mean, millions and millions of people are going to be affected and you need to take positive steps now. Don't wait and get on the Folium PX, foliumpx.com, RSB 10, get 10% discount or call them up and mention the Robert Scott Bell show. Babri will take care of you and uh, you'll be better off. And by the way, Babri is going to be with me and a, a lot of our friends at the event in Atlanta in Buford next steps. So speaking of next steps, I don't wish this on anybody, the life that uh, Angie B has led, what she's been through. If you read her story, and I want to thank Laban and Anna Ditchburn for uh, connecting us here. Who is Dr. Angela Bennett? You can see on our website what she's been through. And she says her past, your past does not define you, it refines you. 
which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Changes the past, reshapes it for a better tomorrow, much less a better today. What has she been through? The ashes of a past consisting of prostitution, domestic violence, depression, suicide attempts. Not everybody survives that, much less comes out of it to become an inspiration to help others to break the cycle of their past and their beliefs about their present and future. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Dr. Angela Bennett, also known as Angie B. from Australia. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Just the first sentence of your history is overwhelming to me. And you've got the (laughs) smile on your face and people would say, how is it possible? Because there are people that go through far less that never, never survive those experiences. Yeah, this is true. And I'm grateful for every breath that I take every day that I wake up with breath in my lungs. I'm grateful for that moment because I shouldn't be here. Yeah. I I just, I got to obviously question to ask is how are you here? I mean, it's probably a loaded question because there's a lot more to it. And I know people are reaching out for help because if they seen what you went through, it's like, gosh, she could probably help me with what I went through. Yeah, I'm, look, to be honest, by the grace of God, not to be honest, I hate that saying, but to be, (laughs) like, to be transparent and the only thing I can say, I'm here by the grace of God. There's no way, like, I shouldn't be here. I mean, I was strangled. I tried to take my own life. I just, God intervened each time and thank him. I'm still here. Are you still here though? I can't see you. Yes. I'm sorry. I just put you on full screen. There are times where I don't need people focusing on me at all. I want them to see and hear you to to feel what you've been through in whatever way they can, because I mean, there's a resonance to the experience you've been through. And you know, one of the things that I've determined looking back on my life hasn't always been easy. I don't claim mine's the hardest life either, but it's, it was mine. And the things that were the toughest, the hardest that I had to go through, some of the greatest experiences that I needed to make me who I am to do what I do today. And so I look at, you know, God and, and, and life and spirit and everything. I say, you know what, thankfully that happened for me and not to me, but how would you come to a conclusion like that considering the history that you write about what you've been through? Wow. What a great question. Oh, you know, when I was 19, I had finished my first stint in the sex industry I was a mom at 17 with my first baby and endured postnatal depression. Now, he's 28 this month. So that was a long time ago and postnatal depression wasn't discussed back then. And so I went on this downward spiral of postnatal depression and ended up with full-blown depression, then found myself in the sex industry and my son had gone to live with his father for various reasons but after I left the, the sex industry, so when I say sex industry, it's prostitution or, and or escorting, which is legal in Australia. So there's sex trafficking, there's prostitution, and we, are, we work in brothels if we choose, so we're in a safe, protected environment. There are women who work on the street with pimps, like it, very much like America, but it is, a, it is legal here. But when I got out of the the sex industry the first time, I just realised that I have a story to tell. I was on medication for my my depression and healing and working through some of those things and trying to adjust 
to life with living with depression. But it was in that time I thought there's no way I've survived everything that I've survived to just be put in a box and to never share my story with with other people because things I've been through are things that people go through. The, um, The fear, emotional and mental abuse that was in my first relationship, the childhood pregnancy, the escaping that relationship, the postnatal depression, the working in the sex industry, these are things that sex industry not as much, not as common, more more and more common these days. But I just looked back and went, there's a reason I'm still here. There's a reason that I have survived this. I don't know what that reason is. I don't know who I'm going to help. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I know that I'm not here and my story is not to just be shut away and locked away. Well, considering what you've been through and even the depression to have even a semblance of that awareness that I'm here to do something more. There's something about this experience. I've got to relay to communicate and you're not even sure why or how I agree. The concept of the grace of God is very real. The guidance that we get. And sometimes, you know, despite all the things we look at ourselves and what we've done and say, I'm horrible. I'm not worth worthy of any of God still loves us and wants to reach us and guide us to, you know, to, to achieve what we're here. I believe we all have a mission and purpose. Not everybody's identified that. And, and even that could change over our lifespan as well. Uh, so was there a seminal event in this regard that, that, that caused a, a, a sudden switch from where you were, or was that a gradual thing? You know, that, that's the question when people say, how do you, how do you break free of that? Yeah. Um, it was a gradual thing. It was a, it was a journey because it was a re- it was really hard to live with the shame and the guilt of what I had done, giving up my child, um, being in the sex industry and living with depression because depression is more spoken about these days and very common. Whereas back then it wasn't really, but I had to go on a journey of, um, just working out who I was and where I fit in this world because I just felt like I never belonged. And now I had this secret because it was a secret at that time. How am I going to function and what am I going to do? And the depression was a real battle. The constant wrestling with, I don't want to be here, this is too hard, but no, wait, I've got a purpose and I don't know what it is yet, still figuring it out. And I truly believe that frustration and the lack of direction adds or contributes to depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. So, yeah, it was a gradual process. It wasn't something that I just woke up and went one day and went, oh, my gosh, life's going to be great and yeah. I'm going to do all of these things. But <laughs> Well, I asked because for me it wasn't an instant lightning bolt that healed me either. I had to gradually work through these things and apply these new principles that I had learned in healing particularly, but that impacted every aspect of my life. If I look at your website, Angie B, as in, as in your last name, Bennett, uh, .com.au, uh, there's a big, beautiful poster there that says Powerless to Powerful with Dr. Angela Bennett. Uh, and it's on, a, are you still doing that show? It's listed there? Yeah. yeah. And let me ask you in terms of the doctorate, uh, you know, obviously you didn't come out and become a doctor instantaneously. What, what did you study? <laughs> Can you believe it? From prostitute to doctor. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> how does, like, how does that happen? So that's actually an honorary doctorate that I received in business and um, entrepreneurship. 
So that was an answer to prayer because I had, you know, in my head, I was like, wow, what an amazing achievement to to receive something like that. And, and I just thought there's no way I'd ever do it. I did a, a, um, a semester mm-hmm. at university and took on six subjects in my first semester, fully burnt myself out and just went, yeah, I, I can't. I can't see myself ever going back to complete that. But, um, yeah, once again, by the grace of God, this honour was given to me and uh, it was something, it was a university that I went through in America. So we sat a course and went through through that and I received my doctorate in entrepreneurship and business. And I also see you're, you took part in, a, I got four, seven books here that you appear in, I believe, uh, relating to coaching and uh, helping people overcome great obstacles through, again, being an inspiration to others. But I'm sure you share specific techniques that help you that may be able to help others. I don't know if there are any techniques that you could share with the audience here today. Yeah, sure. So the last book, which was Coach Doctors, that was a workbook. So that's a collaboration of men and women who brought their stories together. And then actually I have it here. Mm-hmm. And then, um, if you don't mind me, yeah, go ahead, show that. Yeah, I can't see which way you. There we go. Um, yeah, so that's a collaboration. That's a workbook. And so, at the end of each chapter, there are exercises for each person to do. And mine is really about having conversations of um, who are you willing to offend to own your power and live in your truth, and where are you holding back and. Where are you falling short and what secrets are you keeping that are holding you back? And really having those confronting conversations with yourself. Um, Because there's a lot of things, being accountable for our actions is huge. Being aware of the choices and the patterns and the paradigms that we have in our lives, it's paramount that we recognize them do the work and challenge them because they can they can be what keep us stuck they can Mm -hmm. be what's holding us back and sometimes we didn't we don't even know that we have them but often in life like I, I remember starting to write my own book two years ago and I thought oh yeah yeah I'm healed from all the trauma and all of the things that happened but as I wrote I was triggered by so many of the things that I was writing about and I thought oh my gosh there's still too much healing to do. I'm not ready to write this book yet. So I've written chapters instead that I have contribute, contributed to other anthologies and I'm still yet to complete my book. I'm a few chapters in and I'm. I, last year was a year of healing for me. I just took time out, time away from life and the world and uh, just really went on a deep healing journey of things that were holding me back and things that were triggering me that I hadn't been brave enough to confront. Mm. But once we are brave enough to confront those truths of ours, the freedom and the liberation that and the empowerment that comes along with that to allowing us to step into our purpose and just shine because mm. we all have something that we bring to the table. And even if you and I bring the same thing, we have a unique way of doing it. Right, And so the people that you reach are different to the people that I reach. So it's just important that we fulfill our goals and our purposes and our dreams to bring that to the world. 
Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that my podcast is about as well. So it's interviewing people who have been through the hardships and who have sometimes lost hope but have pushed through and kept mm -hmm. going and succeeded and are now giving back to the community. It's to empower and to motivate and to inspire those who, you know, find it a little bit challenging. But if I can do it, mm -hmm. so I'm 217 days sober from alcohol and cocaine today. Yay. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Looking after my liver. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We talked a lot about that and uh, there's a lot to overcome and you can continue to strengthen the liver. Thank God is so regenerative when you remove the interference and the toxic burden and you give it what it needs. It's amazing how much you can recover. Uh, you know, think of being hope and hopeless. I was a little bit hopeless for the people of Australia through COVID, what they went through what you went through, the, the, the lockdowns, the uh, complete authoritarian dictatorship that it, that it devolved into, uh, where there was a lack of bodily autonomy and, and the freedom that was lost. I was like, how did you experience that? I mean, obviously you weren't fully engaged in all that you know today because you've been through it. And as you said, 217 days outside of uh, substance abuse. Uh, how did you experience that? And did that help or hinder you in your progress and journey? <laughs> That added to it, actually. I started drinking a lot through COVID, as a lot of people did. Yeah. Because there was nothing else to do and there was nothing to look forward to. I was more than five kilometres away from my children, mm -hmm. so I wasn't even allowed to see my children. And that in itself, the division was just pure evil and that was done intentionally, I'm sure, because united we stand and divided we fall. So separating everyone it was it was horrific it was horrible mm -hmm. my father lives in melbourne and they experienced the worst lockdowns and yeah um, we were covering it from afar but it just sounded uh, awful uh and you know we we were talking with uh, uh, a friend merrill who's with the australian vaccination network uh you know they couldn't travel across you know the i guess you call it state lines in your own way there and it, just a complete totalitarian dictatorship it devolved into from a Western style democracy. And I wonder if the people will perceive that it probably happened for them to wake them up to how, how bad things have gotten from the illusion of freedom that they thought they had. Uh, has that been part of your journey of witnessing as an Aussie? Yeah, I suppose so. I hadn't looked at it like that. I My daughter was in Tasmania and she was about to have her first baby. So I had to have the vaccination so I could be there for my daughter's birth. I didn't have a choice. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been able to go. So, yeah, the we've always been such a free country. Yeah. That's a perception. Yeah. I've been there once and I loved it. It was back in the 90s, long before this was going on. Uh, but, wow, what you found out was uh, the people took for granted what they thought they had and they, you know, saw that it wasn't real. It was an illusion. And, you know, to, you know, think about bodily autonomy, to the mandate that you have to take an experimental injection just to see family, just to travel. How horrific. Now yeah. I know that Peter McCullough, Dr. McCullough just did a tour or might just be finishing up down there in Australia as well. So it sounds like the, the country has opened up again and people are, are craving information that they weren't allowed to have during these lockdowns. Um, do you see some level of transformation of consciousness much like you've gone through? Yes, yes and no, because there will always be, be those whose eyes are wide shut because mm -hmm. the truth of the government lying to them is too confronting. Mm -hmm. So there will always be those who are just going to be mainstream media 
Um, but yes, there certainly is a wider spread awakening of what's really going on. A lot of people are moving off grid, doing the camper van lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. So now with all of this, I, I know I've asked you questions about, I know that you don't speak for every Australian, but I'm always curious about the experience you had and how you perceive it, what you went through. And, and by the way, are you okay? We've talked a lot about adverse events due to the jab. Was it only one? Did they try to get you again? I had to have the two to mm -hmm. make it, you know, valid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they're up to their fifth or sixth booster now. I've only had the two. I refuse to have any more. Okay. Um, sorry, I forget your question. Oh, no, did I, it me? Yeah. How, how did, did you have any adverse events? Or are you having to deal with health challenges outside of what you've already been through? No, I actually went to a naturopath. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it. I actually yep. went to a naturopath and took a protocol before, during, and after Beautiful. This, yeah. this poison that was put into my body because I, I didn't want it uh, and I wouldn't have taken it. But, my mm. you know, my daughters had to have it because she was going to lose her job. Mm. It's just it's, it's devastating. Just, yeah, it's, it's tyranny in the, in the, in the illusion of freedom. <laughs> that we've gone through, and I talk about it medically. Uh, you know, the medical church dominates many of the Western governments on planet Earth. And uh, when you think you have freedom of religion and bodily autonomy and find out that you don't, there's still issues here in America, in the United States, that we're fighting. Of course, in Canada, around Europe, and New Zealand, even uh, to realize how free we were not or are not, and the willingness to stand up for freedom. Of course, that takes courage. And our buddy, yes. Aben Ditchburn, knows all about courage. And I was saying, if you want to finish your book, just call up Laban. You'll finish it before you know it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I actually think it was quite a trial run to mm. see how well they could control us and how many they could control. And we haven't seen the worst of it yet. I don't believe. I, I don't believe it's over at all. Yeah. So preparing the freedom, the freedom movement exists there i know that there are people that we we talk yeah. with both in in new zealand and australia during this time and i know perhaps it's growing uh, but it's not a done deal this is part of the journey on this planet now what are you doing specifically or what can you do out of australia uh, to see people that come to you for help or is it all remotely done in addition to your show what is it that can find if they go to angb.com.au I work online at the moment because I have a lot of clientele in um, from the States because I'm, a, I'm in a lot of collaborations with people in the States. But I do do personal styling as well. So that is done face-to-face. -face. Yeah, but you can find that all on my website there. Okay, yeah, I'm just looking on the website, just seeing how to link to those things for those that are so moved and say, hey, you could help, right? I, You know? Yeah. If somebody yeah, it says book your discovery call now, I'm just linking on that. And I, um, for me, it didn't open. Something's wrong. I don't know if this is oh. a browser thing just for me, but I want to make sure people can access you. But uh, I'm sure there's a way to, to reach you via email or something. Oh, there's a schedule today link. Let me see if that one works. No, I, it's not going through for me. So double check it just in case. Super Don, if you can go on the website and see if you can open it. And if not, then we know there's a, a, an issue that, uh, uh, Angie, we want to get you to fix so that everybody can find you that needs your help. Thank so, you for that. Sorry about yeah, that. Sure. I can give you my email if you like. Yeah, if you don't mind for people to, to if they can't reach you another way, they want to reach out to you for help. Uh, what is the email they would send? That's Angie at AngieB.com.au. Angie at AngieB. 
dot com dot au. So yeah, Superdon says he couldn't get that link to open to you know book uh, or request a, a consult. So uh, have a look at that as well as we discover that in real time. Although it's super early still in Australia, so um, it's eight o'clock. It's not too bad. Half past eight. It's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. So in overcoming all that you've come uh, overcome, and yet I know there's more always to to, to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, is there? you know, a message that's just bubbling up through you right now that you got to get let out for everybody. Yeah, I guess it's live out of a narrative that makes you extremely happy. Whatever that looks like, it doesn't matter of who is offended by what it is that you are called to do, what your purpose is, and it doesn't matter what you've been through. Like my, my motto is it's, it's, what is my motto? (laughs) What you've been through doesn't define you. It refines you. And everything that we go through builds character and it builds resilience. I mean, a pearl is made out of irritation from sand inside the oyster shell. Uh, Diamonds are made from intense pressure and immense heat. They, that's how they become a piece of from a piece of coal to a diamond. So every type of brilliance that is with already within you just needs refining. That's all. So don't be afraid to reach out. I would love, love, love to work for, with you. You are worth it. You are valued. You are seen. You are loved. You're worthy. And whatever it is that you are bringing to the world, the world is waiting upon you for you to step into your greatness and for you to bring it and just shine, just shine. Angela Bennett, thank you for sharing that uplifting. uh, Listen, your experience as such, I I still, I'm hearing what you've been through and it's still astonishing to me, but by the grace of God, as you acknowledge as well, uh, we can be lifted up. Sometimes we just got to get out of our own way and then allow that healing to occur despite all of our belief systems and self-sabotage and on and on that these patterns and, and programs that we carry with us. And I'm grateful that you have done so much to overcome that and are helping others to do the same or even better. Yeah. Thank you so much. Self-pity and self and sabotage is something that I really had to work through. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so Angie, the time of your, your uh, uh, podcast, it looks like you even listed in uh, Eastern time us, interestingly enough. So people can watch it live or is it all pre-recorded? It's pre-recorded and it's on YouTube and it's released 7 p.m. Uh, every Tuesday in yeah EST and then 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Okay. And there's an AEDT, which is Australian Eastern Daylight Time? That's correct. I guessed that right. All right. Excellent. Yay. So y'all check it out. Powerless to Powerful with Dr. Angela Bennett. And uh, we have those links in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Thanks for being in here and waking up so early to be on live with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor, Robert. Thank you. All right, Angie, big hugs. We appreciate you and send all the love and prayers as well that you're helping others too. Uh, Thanks again. There's a lot to do on Valentine's day. And I think that was a loving message considering again, what she has gone through. Many of you would go, my gosh, I I thought I had it bad. Right. You you hear a story like that. uh, And it's really extraordinary. What can be done? What can be overcome? And what is it that makes it possible for some to and some not to, or is it not what makes it possible, but perhaps our genuine and sincere desire to make change, to be changed, for instance. And I, 
you know, I always encourage, I think I always do this and I hope I always come back to this is your connection with the divine and your recognition of your own divinity. Without that, it's very difficult. And I know maybe some people can, can will themselves better, but I'm not so arrogant to believe that I am so powerful that I can do it alone. Even though there are, there are things that you have to do alone. I get that, but there's always something, a connection that's far deeper and far greater. And however you perceive that to be, it is not for me to tell you how to do it or what that is. I share with you to the best of my ability, what I've done. And if you have questions about that, I'm, you know, I'm always open to answer it, but I, I'm very reluctant to just volunteer a lot of these things in detail because I, I'm so sensitive about encroaching on your freedom that sometimes I'll hold back on what I want to tell you. Uh, but I am inspired by the people that have been through things much worse than I've been through and they've overcome it. That inspires me and hope it inspires you. So happy Valentine's day stories and interviews on the Robert Scott Bell show, Dr. Andy Kaufman, hour one, Angie B hour two. We still got a little bit of time. I've got some other stories to cover. Uh, maybe super Don has got some things going on in the chat room. I don't know, but I am here and excited. We, we have determined a day for our next AMA. That's the ask me anything for our patron supporters. It will be, if I can go to my calendar, it's a Monday, the 27th of February. Monday, the 27th of February. I know that doesn't work for everybody, but some of you it does. And we try to flip-flop between a, a Saturday and a weekday, uh, if we can, when available. And that's the only day I actually have available to do it this, this month. I could do it on a Sunday, but a lot of people don't want to do it on a Sunday. So we're going to do it on the 27th, and it'll be uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. And you can sign up to become a patron supporter as little as 5 bucks a month. It goes a long way, folks, to help us to do the things we need to do and keep updated on the equipment and other things to, to reach out or facilitate the, the streaming services that, you know, it's not just about tuning in and plugging in the internet. There's a lot that goes on behind that and all of that that you do to help us helps us to get this message out of health, freedom and healing Liberty. All right, super D what else we got this hour here? Don't mean to put you on the spot, but just check. In. I'm not putting me on the spot. Um, I was over here, uh, making a sandwich and, you know, taking, <laughs> taking a nap. I didn't have to do much, really. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, the, we do have one last closing story here. Mm -hmm. And this comes to us from the Nicholas Gonzalez, Gonzalez Foundation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is, uh, you know, my dear friend who's no longer with us, Nick Gonzalez, one of the smartest people I've ever met in this planet in this lifetime. And he's no longer with us in the physical, but he's here, I believe, spirit in spirit. And, of course, his wife, and we appreciate all of those who love and cherish Nick. And she put out uh, through their website, the Nicholas Gonzalez Foundation, that's thegonzalezprotocol.com, a story, uh, not story, but an article about lymphedema coming from Dr. Nick's experiences, general recommendations. Now, uh, lymphedema, as you see in this, in this article, will explain to you an abnormal accumulation of lymphatic fluid, often in the extremities, the limbs, primarily, usually, the lower extremities like the legs, but it can happen anywhere, you know, in the hands even. And when you have lymphatic stasis or lymphatic blockage, uh, that can be problematic. It can be painful. Certainly it can be awkward in terms of the, you know, the visual, what it does, but you don't feel like doing a whole lot when the lymphatic system is that backlogged. And there's a lot of that issue when we talk about with Dr. Andy Kaufman in hour one about liver congestion and liver toxicity that plays a huge role. In, in lymphatic health and function. And of course, movement plays a huge role as, as well. And one of the things that uh, 
the cardio miracle does by improving blood flow circulation. It also enhances the endothelial integrity within the lymphatic system, which also has endothelial tissue. And so this is a big part of nitric oxide's role. And I'm just throwing this out there as something that we didn't have access to at the time that Dr. Nick and I would discuss these things on and off the air. But I would add to the mix that that is something I would want to be on if anybody is suffering from any form of lymphedema. But we have a system that requires movement. And sometimes because of uh, you know injury or other debilitating circumstances, we might not move enough or might not be capable of moving right now due to pain or other issues. And so if we look at one of the uh, recommendations, it seems pretty basic and simple, but it's massage. It's physical therapy in this sense. There are those that specialize in, you know, treating lymphedema or if not treating it, just acknowledging its existence and know how to work with the body through various forms of lymphatic massage or lymphatic movement. So even if you can't fully engage or run or walk vigorously or end, end up on a personal trampoline to get the movement or even swim and bounce in the, in the pool where it's a lower gravity environment to move the lymph, having it manipulated, working with a lymph, lymphologist. Uh, we had yesterday on the show, I saw one of my friends uh, was talking, well, it was saying hello. And uh, his father was, uh, I, I apologize, the name escapes me now as I'm just now thinking about these things simultaneously as I think about Nick Gonzalez. Um, that there are people out there that have done extraordinary work in developing techniques within massage therapy, that it's not just a muscular therapy of a massage, but working the lymphatic channels. And that is a big part of recovery. And of course, the lymphatic system is often used and abused, more or less abused by the medical profession when they see lymphatic swelling or a lymph node that is swollen. And rather than look at that as a, a congested pathway of elimination due to lack of movement or other things or hydration or even liver function and kidney function as well, they'll look at it as a disease itself for targeting for destruction or removal, right? The body part removal police in the medical profession. And it's embarrassing. You know, these so-called smart people that get medical degrees that I call degrees, they go in there and say, well, we got to remove the lymph tissue. How many people who have been diagnosed borderline cancer or had cancer and they test the lymph nodes and they say, oh, well, there's cancer in there. We've got to remove the lymph nodes. And then what you've done is hampered even more the drainage canal of the body, the detox pathways. You've, you've made it worse, not better. Why not encourage lymphatic drainage? Because even the cancer cells within the lymphatic system would be moved on out if the lymph was moving again. And that involves, of course, I would argue hydrogen water, a big part of the hydration capacity of getting good clean water in with also the H2 as an antioxidant, as a cell signaling modulator. And if you guys don't have the echo water, that's another thing I would just bring up to consider. In addition, of course, the liver support, whether it be herbal, homeopathic, selenium, uh, there are so many things that we can do to help the liver do its job. And the drainage uh, remedies I've talked about or drainage remedies uh, are available. And I, I bring them up from time to time. Uh, but in my lecture on demand with Trinity School of Natural Health is a great way to learn about some basic principles of liver health. Of course, kidneys, colon, all of that. I don't mean to ignore all of that by talking about the liver, but 
without the liver functioning, everything else degrades and becomes dysfunctional. And so when you heal the liver, all healing becomes possible. When the liver is congested, all disease becomes likely or maybe even inevitable. What are your strong points? What are your weak points? They're different for all of us. That's why, you know, one person's liver toxicity will manifest as a skin condition, as Andy said in the first hour, and another person's will manifest as a lung condition. And another still will manifest as a cardiovascular or heart condition. And another's might be a skeletal condition. In my case, I had a little bit of all of that with my liver congestion from zero to age 24 before I learned to go organic, detoxify my liver, support it, and utilize the things that we talk about here. Now, one of the focal points uh, this month that we we talk with Jamie Dorley about and go back, it's a beautiful presentation, Nutritional Frontiers, they have a whole detox focus as well. They have different formulations, superfood nutrition uh, formulations, as well as focused liver uh, remedies and, and supplements that can help you along your way in addition to other things. So this is, uh, again, some of the most extraordinary things that we can do are the simplest. And let me see, I got a message coming in. I'm on the air and I'll call you back. Susie, I'll call you back. Um, thank you, Dr. Angela Bennett, by the way, for waking up early and shout out to Anna Ditchburn and Laban watching wherever you guys are. If you're still in Mexico or heading to India, I don't know where I can't keep up with them. They're amazing. And I love the fact that we have a community from around the world of people that are inspiring and that are being inspired as well to do better when they know better, to overcome amazing obstacles, seemingly impossible things. And it's not like Super Don has had to overcome anything in his life as well. That's why he inspires me, because I know some of the things he doesn't even talk about on, on the air we've been through. I've been through in a distant way, but we're connected almost at the hip by our radio show and now podcast online as well. And, you know, when I hear stories like Angie, Super Donna, it, it makes me think of all the people I know, including you, you've, you've overcome a lot. I don't life. know what you're talking about. What are you yeah, talking about? You I, I'm just saying if people knew, like I said, it, it, you haven't had the easiest of life out <laughs> there either. And I'm not throwing you under the bus by saying it. I'm just saying, you know, another yeah. area of inspiration, uh, yeah. you know, well, it, it, um, it inspires growth. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh, but makes we, you yeah. makes you not worry about all the dumb stuff anymore. Yeah, exactly. Don't sweat right. the small stuff and they say, yeah. well, it's all small stuff. Yeah, but when we're going through it, it's pretty darn big. It feels insurmountable in many ways. And if I look back at my experience of all the ailments I suffered from, I felt very small and victimized by all of that. Yet for me, again, my spiritual journey, reach out for God and uh, get guidance and be uh, be open to the gifts that I argue are being given unto us all the time. And we may not pay attention because we don't practice that presence. And I don't tell people how to do it. I think that's one of the things maybe some of you appreciate because I have been pros proselytized and I don't like to proselytize other than to say, hey, you know, this is what I do. It works for me, it might work for you. And there might even be some scientific validation to it, but uh, your spiritual journey is your own, but when you find it, when you're on it, you inspire others to live better lives. That's what I've found in my life anyway, Super D. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And if you don't, then you're wasting, uh, you're wasting an opportunity because yeah. you know, when you've been through stuff, you learn stuff or you, hopefully you do anyway. Not everybody does because <laughs> they're, you know, people just go through it until they do. But, uh, Yeah. It's um, cool stories. Yeah. 
Well, I'm really excited about Jonathan Emord's first, I'd say first official uh, fundraising event outside of, uh, it's not really the first because he's had a couple with Casey Krejci in Florida and things. But for me, the first one I get to attend officially outside of the the launch when he was just in the exploratory committee at the uh, health. Yeah. No, this is the real deal, man. This is yeah. the ru- rubber hitting the road. So Saturday cool. in, in Glendale, California. Then um, I think Monday, March 6th in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Those are two I'm going to attend in. Uh, we plan to do a three-city tour in Virginia at the end of, uh, I believe, the end of March. Yes, right before the event in Clearwater, which I'll go down to to uh, for the Nutritional Frontiers event. And so I encourage you, if you know anybody in those areas, even if you're not in the area, hey, say, hey, dude, you got to meet Jonathan E. Mord. He's running for the United States Senate, and he needs your support. Uh, it will be a genuine difference maker. And I'm not delusional, nor is he, that he can go in and change everything overnight. That's not the point. But he can have an impact. People have an impact wherever they can be. And he's uniquely qualified to engage at that level and quite honestly, blow those people away in, in terms of the intellect and the historical knowledge of the constitution and to be able to make good sound arguments that are very hard to defeat other than through emotion and, you know, putting fingers in their ears. I so was I think, just thinking about how cool is it going to be? I'm assuming that Kane is going to agree to do it to at least one debate, right? I don't know if he's going to outrun or try to outrun. Do you think he might dodge uh, the the request? I wonder. That'll be yeah. interesting. A debate between uh, Emord and, uh, and, and Tim Kane. Kane. Of course, Emord's got to get through the primaries, but I I feel very confident he will, as people learn about him in Virginia, and uh, to see him at the next U.S. Senator uh, for Virginia less than two years from now would be uh, an amazing amazing benefit. I think to the people of Virginia, much less the people of the United States who love liberty, love freedom, and recognize um, the inspiration that is a, a, a country rooted in individual liberty and defense. And even if we haven't lived up to it, looking to do better. For those that know better, looking to do better. All right, let's take a pause here. We'll be back for the bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you to Angie B. Thank you as well to Andy Kaufman. Great show. Happy Valentine's Day if you do that kind of thing. Lots of love to you. I got my Valentine's rose-colored glasses. They're actually orange, but whatever. Y'all enjoy the day, and if you want to enjoy it some more, 60 seconds from now, we'll be back with even more powerful healing based on what you guys are doing in the chat room because the power to heal is yours. I just got a, a message from my buddy, uh, Brad Zalas. You know, he's got the Awakened Nation podcast. I was just, uh, I think it just released the interview he did with me. I think I, I think I put it out on social media networks. I don't know if you got it there, Super D, but mm. that, that was a fun one to do. Brad's a great guy, and we've had him on the show 
uh, author, author of Liquid Leadership. But he sent me a, a sub stack from somebody named Peter Emanuelson. I think he's from Sweden. Yeah, the Freedom Corner with Peter Sweden. And he says this, and I, I just sent you this article if you want to show it on screen. Uh, what is happening? Oh, my gosh. What will BioNTech and, and, and Pfizer, what are they going to do? Sweden throws away 8.5 million doses of COVID jabs that people don't want anymore. Were they expiring? I, I don't see this. this is just a few weeks after a massive conference in Stockholm where top doctors warned about the dangers of the shots. News is coming out that Sweden has thrown away nearly 8.5 million doses. About one-fifth of all COVID jabs uh, bought have been destroyed. It doesn't say that they're expired. I think that people just didn't want It says here, and they even admit that the reason they've been forced to throw away all these doses is because people do not want them anymore. Yep. So according to them, because I know a lot of them got thrown out, like millions of them got thrown out because they expired. Um, Which also could be because people don't want them anymore. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So- well, there you, go. you know, Super D, what are they going to do to bring about the fear so people will take them again? You think they, that ship has sailed? Um, they, well, they lost a lot of people, dude. A lot of doctors, they lost them. And I don't mean by killing them. I mean, they've just lost. They're like, not, not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. So I don't know. What can they do to get if they, maybe now that's the point of derail every train and light it on fire so that people die of overt toxicological poisoning in a fast way i saw an article i i thought i'd just be able to grab it boom and have it yeah. but i don't but uh the latest the latest scare that they've got that I, that I was reading about is a mutated bird flu that they have been following that they are saying could kill 50 percent of the people that get it really so they're not giving up on that fear porn that's a big yeah. one 50%. i mean it's a big number anyway 50 percent like Will they pull it off? You know, if anything, they would or could because, as we talked about with Andy, it's a toxicological nightmare that they're going to blame probably on a virus. All the people dying in the Midwest or along the, the Ohio River, wherever the, the you know poison is going, they'll say, oh, it's a virus. There it is, sir. It's a virus. There it is here. Yeah. Daily Mail. Bird flu may mutate to kill more than 50% of humans who catch it as a result of unprecedented outbreak sweeping mammals. Wow. A killer H5, oh, it's an H5N1. It's the same one that uh, th that we had, uh, the scare, what was that, 2009 or something like that, the bird flu? Yeah. Or is that the swine flu? I can't remember. One of those. So, yeah, killer H5N1. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Well, if they can get away with it, they're going to try. The point is, that, or the question is, will they succeed? I don't know. You know, the thing is, who's going to believe it yeah. at this point? I mean, there'd be some people, of course, that will. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of people that are, that are skeptical for, for good reason, you know, with what it is that's happened. They're not skeptical. They're just. Uh, what would it get? I mean, does the word, they, they just, they've dead. Some people drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, it's just how it is. mean anything to you? Yeah. All right. So what is this you sent me here? Oh, there's your uh, ear episode. Yes. Uh, if you want to put that in the chat room for everybody. Uh, they can see it. Let's see if I can get this. That's pretty awesome. Do a version of it that's a little shorter. But, uh, yeah, it's a good one. And, and Brad's great, great guy. He's a great interviewer, as well as I've interviewed him. 
and I'd love for you to share his Awaken Nation podcast, season five, episode 98. I think I was on his first or second episode way back in season one. Uh, so we had a lot to talk about. All the things that you cannot talk about, I talked about with him, of course. Okay, what else is going on in the chat room? Anything going on out there? I think we're being sh seriously shadow banned. Not, not a lot of people are here today. I do see the people that are, and thank you for being here. Hi, Marge. She enjoyed it. Yeah, not a lot of people for Tuesday. Yeah, well, what's going on? Oh, Bolden made it for the bonus round. Nice see you to show up, Michael. Did you did you hear that uh, uh, potential name for the – you sent it to me, I think. I forwarded it to you from – yeah, Lorelai uh, yeah. Uh, sent me an email. What, what was that her suggestion for the Bolden segments every couple of weeks? Uh, so, you know, we had talked about how would we – wanted to what would we want to call michael bolden's yeah. segment and so she came up with that idea she said if you haven't found a name for your michael bolden segment i suggest uh -huh. hold them or fold them ask michael bolden <laughs> i think that's pretty right if nifty is not a word anymore i don't know but I, it was kind of cute it struck me funny i don't know what michael's there if you like that one let us know i thought of uh kenny rogers when she when i read that so you're thinking, thinking of a Kenny Rogers opening instead of a metal opening. Then. The Gambler, yeah. We could, keep, we could keep repainting the uh, the Bolden segments until we settle on something, too. We could. Yeah. We could. Were you, uh, were you ever a fan of Kenny Rogers? Yeah, no, I like Kenny Rogers. I, yeah. I, 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 he was good, you know. The, the Gambler was uh, great. He was a Georgia guy. Spent a lot of time in Georgia where I was for many years, so. He's very, very popular. I don't think there's very many people our age that can't at least mouth the, the lyrics to at least one or two of his songs. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he did some amazing songs as well. Uh, speaking of Georgia, I just always think of my friend Babri Oren from Georgia, Tbilisi, under the Soviet Union, escaped to Israel, now in America with uh, the Folium PX. And as we hear people are referring to the uh, the the train wreck and the subsequent burning explosion, um as a Chernobyl level disaster, environmental disaster in America. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about Chernobyl level antioxidant activity, and that's coming from Folium PX. So you guys, especially if you're impacted by that area, I would highly recommend reaching out to and go to foliumpx.com and getting some. I'm I'm not I'm not making this up. I think it's as serious as Anything we've ever heard in terms of a, a you know Bhopal, India type level event potentially. Now we're seeing dying animals, fish as well, and if you don't outright kill a human right away, you're going to see a lot of ailments and illnesses that are going to try and pretend are, are viral diseases or more COVID because that's what they they they'll have to do uh, rather than acknowledge toxic poisons. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have, we'll have to see. You know, you mentioned yesterday that there wasn't a whole lot of coverage. Well, today there is. Somebody, somebody might have been, must have been listening. Yeah. Um, Fox News has been covered almost uh, as much as spy balloons today, which is shocking. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, their their take on it is that Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg or Buttigieg or whatever the guy's name is, the transportation secretary guy. Yeah. Apparently, you know, I mean, he's kind of like the guy, right? You know, the, the train derailment, he should be. Yeah, it's doing something you think, yeah. and he, instead he's been giving uh, these panel speeches or something like that, talking about how there's not enough people of color uh, working construction jobs. That it's more there's too many white guys uh, that are 
working on the the streets or the railroads or in construction. So really, uh, that's what he thinks is important. Apparently, yeah. So anyway, that's um, they've been covering that, but they've been showing some footage. Man, it's just like wow, this thing. Well, it really yeah. is a bit. I mean, it's huge. They had, there was this one shot. I don't have it. Uh, but where it, there was this big black cloud that was going to kind of look like a nuclear bomb had gone off mm-hmm. and it was going all the way to the top to the, to the, uh, the cloud layer. Yep. And there was a plane that was flying above the cloud layer and it was showing, it was just, you know, the white, except this one spot where there's big black yeah. plume coming through the, the cloud layer. See, yeah. Big deal. And, 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 you know, the weird thing is that, uh, you've got it, like you were saying yesterday, animals dying, you know, fish and, and livestock and all this stuff, and they just let everybody back in. Oh yeah, go in, it's okay. Yeah, nothing to worry about. Everything's good. The air's good. The water's fine. You know, don't worry about it. They, they use the parallel of the Soviet Union saying, "Come on back into Chernobyl. It's fine." Uh, it's just <laughs> amazing how if you look to government for salvation, I mean, just what a sorry state you, you're in. And what we're looking yeah. at is an environmental protection agency that protects the polluters. That's a captured agency. It's just like the FDA. Yeah, it's the same thing as the FDA. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I question, again, the uh, le- legitimacy and sincerity of this so-called environmentalist movement. If they were sincere, they would be all over this, going, this is a disaster. But they can't tie this into climate change. So it's, you know, Greta Thunberg silence, Al Gore silence. As I said, if they had argued years ago, for toxicity issues against toxicity issues, we'd all been there. That's not a, that's not even a controversy in terms of environmental, real environmental stuff, not the climate change nonsense. And I say it that way because it's not within your power or purview to change the climate. I mean, that's a delusional ego driven thing that is so far beyond man's control or capacity. I mean, of course, Theoretically, or actually, we could destroy ourselves by poisoning the planet with things that come from the planet we alter synthetically, like vinyl chloride, which is, you know, derivative, I think, of of various oil sundries from the planet. Organic chemistry brought us a lot of new things. But there are a lot of things we could use, like hemp, to produce things that we rely on oil for, in terms of plastics and building materials. That's a renewable resource, and where the environmentalists uh, arguing for more hemp legalization. I don't know. Maybe they're there doing that, but I just, I just think about toxicology as we talked about with Andy uh, and it's the terrain, stupid. <laughs> we poison ourselves not to get us stronger and better and healthier. We decline in our functionality, much less our thought forms. And we think, oh, well, we need more power for the EPA like Rochelle Walensky that the CDC says, yeah, I know we screwed up, but just give us more money. Our culture will shift. I promise. Lucy in the football again. Can we can we grow up and mature beyond that? Possibly, I'm asking for a lot. I know. So, do you have? Any, I know you're not into the Valentine's Day greeting card thing, but have you done better than me as a as a husband? I don't know what you've done. <laughs> Nothing. Did, diddly squat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I still the day is still happening. So, I can, have you have you said Happy Valentine's Day? Barely. Yeah. I'm okay. Scared. I did that. I, I did that. Last night we had a windstorm and snow, not a lot of snow, but I heard the wind and apparently there was a power outage. And uh, as as many families do, they rely upon mom, my wife in this case, to know when to wake up. <laughs> and her, her clock was 
knocked out of commission. So everybody woke up a little late. So it was a bit of a scramble getting out this morning, get my daughter out to school and everybody's on time, but it threw the day into a bit of a tizzy to start where you couldn't think about things. You just had to act and go. Uh, but I had a good workout, so at least there's that. Maybe we'll grab something special tonight. Happy Maybe. Valentine's Day. The World Health Organization has convened for an urgent meeting over the outbreak of the Marburg virus. Mm. There you go. See? Mm-hmm. Might be H5N1, could be Marburg. Yeah, well, the germ theory uh, of fear porn is alive and well. The question is, do you participate in it or do you go, uh-uh, it ain't Marburg, it's a selenium deficiency. It's a heavy metal toxicity. It's a pesticide. Wow, the Marburg kills 90% of patients mm-hmm. and has no cure. They'd like you to believe that. <laughs> of course. Is it? We're still so far out of the mainstream, it's ridiculous. Maybe that's why. You know, we're, we're the traction we thought we were gaining. It's like now it's we're over it. COVID's done. I don't need to listen to you, Robert, anymore. I'm going back to my germ theory ways. Do you think that people are going just going back to sleep on these issues that they could get away with this again? <sighs> anyway, okay. So what what's going on tomorrow? What's going All on right. tomorrow? All right, don't answer me then. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I was distracted. All right. Bolden likes that name anyway. He liked it, so I might be hold him, hold him, or fold him. With ask Michael, Michael Bolden. <laughs> that is really cute. It rolls off the tongue. Yes. So let's see. Tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, we what was today? Uh, Nurse Michelle. Nurse Michelle. Okay. Uh, Ty says he can't show up tomorrow because he's working on the next docu series. So hour two is okay. wide. Open. This moment. Wide open hour two. Yeah. And then apparently I'm going to be on the Courtney Turner podcast, Courtney Turner. I don't know if that's live or pre-recorded, but that'll happen after the show tomorrow. Let's see. I've got another silver training tomorrow evening. And then we have nurse Kate coming up. She's, she's the one we're going to have a good time with him. Okay. Nurse Kate Shemarani. Yep. That's coming up on Thursday after we'll- hopefully. Jonathan Emord. Jonathan Emord. And then we got- Friday, we have Laura Abelie coming back on the show. We haven't had her on in a while. She's a she's a rock star. She's terrific. Yep. And Alicia Powell. Yep. Alicia Powell. And then I'm going to head out after that uh, to uh, L.A. Folks, I want to see you there if, you, if you're in the L.A. area. And I know Michael Bolden says Sarah Beth's uh, mom's in town. But even if you can't come that evening, how about the day or whatever, the morning, something. I want to see you guys. Anyway, that's just selfish of me, I know. So I'll be there for the event on the 18th and then come home and then uh, I think we'll have a day and then head back out to Atlanta uh, for the Next Steps Conference. So there's a lot coming up. Uh, Get ready and get in shape for it. All right. Well, that's all I got. That's all you got? Okay. Time to go go eat lunch. Thank you all for being here. Thanks again to Angie B. And thank you to Andy Kaufman as well. What a what a wonderful show. I enjoyed it immensely. Please share it. Uh, available on various formats, including Rumble, if you want to watch the video of it. Uh, how long does it take to upload the Rumble? Because it's live on Rumble, too. Is it automatically? Uh, yeah, it does It does the same thing YouTube used to do. So when we're done, you can watch it. Okay. Wow, yeah, that's cool. It so archives missed, it uh, automatically. If you missed anything, check it out. And do the Love Your Liver. Liver? Liver? 
Love your liver. <laughs> and that's on the 25th. Love your liver, you landlubber. Yeah. And uh, sign up. And the links are in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. There's a banner as well. And check out all the upcoming events. And please share. I hope to see you at one or all of them. So thanks for being here. Toodaloo. Right. Toodaloo. Yes. Toodaloo. Really? Hold them or fold them. Toodles. That's Michael Bolden. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> 